is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Raw Prospect Podcast. My name is Amy Nixon, college student at Bethany College. This is episode 79, uh, our NBA preview. And joining me from Austin, Texas, as always, the stat king himself. What is up, Michael Wing? What is up, Emmy Nixon? We are ready to do our Western Conference preview. It is opening night in the NBA. I watched the entirety of the first game between the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks ended up going on to win that game. And the Los Angeles Lakers and Golden State Warriors are in the process of playing as we record this right now. We are super excited to do this. Today is our Western Conference preview. We encourage you all to go back um, to go listen to our Eastern Conference preview if you have not done so yet. But we are hoping to be more fluid and more organized with this part of our preview. And our plan moving forward here in the near future is we will be doing uh, We're going to talk about it uh, more off camera, but we are going to be doing our NFL picks this week uh, on Saturday, I believe. Uh, And that's going to be possibly our first in-person episode in a long time. So that's going to be super exciting. Just things to look out for, but I'm super excited to be here and I'm super excited to talk about the NBA's Western Conference, the wild, wild West. Right. The best conference by far. And just, so many storylines out west this year. Um, just so much to so much to talk about going into the season. So many MVP candidates that are out west as well. Um, so let's just get right into this. Um, we're just gonna go in order from the bottom of the west to the top of the west, like we did uh, last time. So um, starting off with the fifteenth team in the west last year the Houston Rockets. Right. When I look at the Houston Rockets, they're going to be one of those teams. They're not going to win a lot of games, but they're going to be, they'll be bad, but they're going to be entertaining. They're going to be one of the bad teams you want to watch. Um, Of course, last year they dealt James Harden. And after they dealt James Harden, they didn't win a lot of games. They were six and 45 in their final 51 games. Um, In any circumstance for a franchise like the Houston Rockets, that's unacceptable, but obviously they're a franchise in transition. And so I think the main question for the Rockets, because they know they're not going to win a lot of games this year, uh, but they're going to be entertaining, is, is this the core that you want to take into these next couple of years as you try to rebuild this? Is this young core are these pieces pieces that are going to be long-term? Um, if you look at what they did this offseason, I really like what they did in the draft. Jalen Green is a name that we need to talk about. Um, looked really good in Summer League and G League and all that stuff. Um, they also drafted, I can't say his name, but the talented center, um, Alperin Singun. Uh, I've heard a lot of really good things about him. And then obviously I really like some of the pieces that they have to go around those two guys. Christian Wood is a name I've always liked as an underrated guy. Um, and, then, and then Kevin Porter, uh, some of these other guys they still have. Uh, I think it could be entertaining. But I think the question is, with all these assets they, that, that they have, 
from the Harden trade. Um, and, you know, all these young pieces that they have, they need to find out. It's really a year to find out, are these guys what they want uh, to, to uh, I guess, jumpstart their rebuild. Um, so they're going to be – they're going to be bottom of the West. You're not going to win a whole lot of games, but you do look at, you know, their roster and you can see that. I mean, think about it. They have, um, so Greenwood, Singdoon, those are all really nice, talented young players. You have Kevin Porter Jr., another nice, young, talented player. First round picks such as Josh Christopher, who they drafted this year, Garuba, who they drafted as well, um, and then three extra, uh, three extra first round picks from other teams that they got in the Harden deal, uh, plus their high lottery pick, assuming they're not very good. So, um, basically, what I'm what I'm saying in so many words is they're not going to win a lot of games, but I do like some of the pieces on this roster especially Jalen Green. And I think the burning question for the Rockets is, is this the core to take forward into the future? Right, exactly. Well, and you have the two building blocks in the back, the backcourt and Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. So that's a really good starting point to have. And it seems like from what we saw in the preseason, these guys already enjoy playing with each other and they seem to have – pretty good chemistry already which is a good sign um but i think i think those are the guys i think it's them and then everybody else could possibly be on the trade walk um uh, i mean you look at a guy like daniel house eric gordon um even christian wood i don't think fits quite fits this timeline even though he had some really solid games last season is he had a really good season overall um he just had some trouble staying healthy um i just think if you get value back for him i think it'll be more helpful to them long term given that he's already 24 25 years old um and one thing uh another thing is uh they actually do not have their their own first round pick next year it will be going to oklahoma city since uh, their pick last year was top four protected. They stayed in the top two and they were able to take, use that pick. But next year, no matter what, that pick is going to Oklahoma City. So um, they will be having uh, Brooklyn's pick. And I believe um, I, I believe they have one other pick as well. I'm not entirely sure who it's from. But uh, that, that's about it on the Rockets. Yeah. Fun team to watch, but they're not going to win a whole lot of games. They're going to be at the bot. They're going to be a bottom seller team in the West, but um, we'll see how this rebuild starts um, because this is where they are. Um, so our next team is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, what do you think about Oklahoma City? Your quick outlook on the Thunder. Um, well, the great thing that the Thunder already have is that they already have their franchise guy in Shea Gilders Alexander. He has that like outright just superstar potential. Um, and I think this year, I think if they play him and they don't shut him down in February, like they did last year, I mean, he could be 
averaging 25 a game maybe i mean he's he has the talent and he's already he's already there um mm-hmm. it's just the team around him right now it's not quite ready to win yet they got a lot of young talent um i think the question for this team is when is the time where you start thinking about trading some of this young talent for veterans or or just seeing this young talent through until they're fully developed like what like what is their timeline on okay now it's time to win is it year three of the rebuild year four of the real rebuild or is it even if they start the season well are they going to try to be competitive this year with the team they have so um, I think that those are the big questions for me yeah, there's not a whole lot of talent on this roster. Um, they're not going to win a whole lot of games. They might be the worst team in the West just based on roster. I mean, outside of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's fantastic, there's not a whole lot of – there's limited shot creation, let's just say that, right. uh, beyond him. Um, I think they're going to end up probably trading Derek Favors, um, which is good, I guess, since, you know – and that's something they've been good at, you know, throughout the year. Sam Presti's really good at accumulating assets um, and ultimately uh, making this team better than a lot of people think it's going to be. Uh, and we've seen that in past years. But um, you look at what they were with and without uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I mean, he really elevates this team. Uh, they were 16 and 19 last year. Uh, with seven wins over playoff teams with when uh, Gilgis Alexander was on the floor and they were six and 31 without him. Uh, and they were obviously last in offensive efficiency as well last year. Um, so I don't expect that to change much. I still think they're a pretty limited team offensively. They're young uh, in some respects. I do like the draft pick of uh, Josh Giddy. I think he can give them some shooting. Uh, and he's a guy who could really, uh, I guess, end up being one of the better players in this past draft, I think. Uh, but right now, it's just they don't have a whole lot um, to win right now. But they don't need to win right now. Right. Um, they need to continue to accumulate picks, accumulate assets. And I'm confident that Sam Presti and that front office – they know what they're doing. Um, it's just going to take some time. Right. So, right. Uh, but, you know, last year, um, 60% of the, the Thunder's minutes uh, um, came from rookies. Um, so that's the fifth highest rate in, in the league. Um, or actually, wow. wrong stat. Wrong stat. 60% of their minutes came from first or second year players, 20% from rookies, and 40% from second year players. Yeah, so, I was about to say rookies seem like quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, but, not rookies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that just shows you where this team is at. Um, so right, right. Exactly. But I love Shay, I love Shay Gilgis Alexander. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. And and he will be great for a long time, no doubt, in Oklahoma City. Um, but with that, we're going to move on um, to New Orleans. 
I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it the Kings? Um, let's talk about the Kings first, and then we can do New Orleans. Okay, yeah. Um, obviously, the Kings uh, brought back Rashawn Holmes, their starting center. They gave him a pretty decently big contract as well. Um, pretty interesting there. But um, to me, it's not the any big moves that they made to me with the Kings. It's just um, – can this team just be confident competent on the defensive end? That's really the only question I have with the Kings. Um, and you look at the West, and really it's guaranteed to be the Spurs, the Kings, or the Timberwolves in that 10th spot, in that 10th spot for the playing game because it's really nine solidified teams and then – Everybody else, it's a it's a step down. So the Spurs and the, the Kings and the T-Wolves are the teams I look at in terms of competing for that 10 spot. And it's going to be interesting to see which team steps up to the plate because that spot is open, in my opinion. Yeah. I'll preface this by saying I really like a lot of the pieces they actually do have on this roster. Um, Buddy Heald. Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, who last year finished third in the Rookie of the Year voting. Um, I and you mentioned uh, what's his name, um, Rashawn Holmes. Yes. Um, so I, I like some of the pieces they do have. Um, Marvin Bagley's another guy. I love the addition of Davion Mitchell. I think he could really become a breakthrough on-ball defender for them. Uh, we know what he was he did um, during his college career at Baylor. Uh, but, yes, you hit it right on the head. It's all about defense and consistency on the defensive end of the floor with the Kings. If, if they can be re-averaged on that end of the floor, um, they could compete for that 10 spot. But um, – that's going to be a big ask because they're young. And last year they had um, – they allowed 1.2 more points per 100 possessions than, than the 29th worst defense, which was Portland. Um, so um, they, they became just the eighth team in the past 28, 25 years uh, to allow at least a point per possession more than any other team in basketball. Um, and they've had a they've had a worse than average defense in each of the last 15 seasons. So this has been an ongoing problem that they really haven't addressed. And now they're just starting to address it. Um, so yeah, you hit it right on the head. They have nice offensive pieces. Um, they were 27 and 45 last season. So assuming that they can improve just a little bit defensively, I guess that could put them in contention for that 10 seed. But I, I'm not sure they did enough during the offseason to actually make that jump. Um, right. So we'll see. Right. I agree. Um, and I, I wouldn't pick them to be the 10 seed. I'm just saying they're no, definitely I, in contention. Um, yeah. And another thing about the Kings is that they're starting to become – way too reliant on De'Aaron Fox to re- to create, in my opinion. If you look at um, their clutch statistics last season, 
Um, De'Aaron Fox accounted for 43% of the Kings' clutch field goal, field goal attempts while he was on the floor last season, which was the fourth highest rate among 163 players who played at least 50 clutch minutes. So that's way too high for the Kings. You look, you look for Tyrese Halliburton to take the next step and also maybe – maybe Marvin Bagley to get a few touches here and there. We'll have to see how he plays. But um, De'Aaron Fox, obviously you want him involved. He's your best player by far, but you can't be too overly reliant on him. Right. Okay, so we said we were going to be efficient, um, especially with these bottom tier teams. So let's move on to the New Orleans Pelicans before we talk about my San Antonio Spurs. Right. Um, I guess I'll start off. Um, yeah. Well, a few weeks ago, or it might even be less than that, maybe just about a week ago, news came out that Zion Williamson is going to be out for a while with a foot injury. Um, he had foot surgery in the offseason. And nobody knew about it. Nothing was reported about it. The Pelicans kept it completely under the radar. And here's the interesting thing to me. Um, you know, I I think they had a, a weird strategy with behind this. I, I, here's my theory. My theory is that they purposely kept the Zion injury away from the public so that they could get more season ticket holders uh, because people are going to be thinking, oh, wow, I'm going to get to see Zion play 41 games. But no, he's probably going to miss maybe a month of this first part of the season here, or maybe even more. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's not a good thing to do to your fans if that was the case. But getting into the team, I, for me personally, I'm not too high on the Pelicans. I think – um, they're they're missing a solid ball handling point guard um, to distribute. Um, they picked up Devonte Graham, but he's not really a distributing type of guy. He's a wired scorer. He likes to shoot a lot of threes. Obviously, he's in the past been a very good scorer, but that's not what this team needs. This team needs defense. Um, and a little bit more structure to their offense as well wouldn't hurt it either. Um, one notable uh, pickup, though, was they traded for Jonas Valanciunas, Valanciunas uh, from the Grizzlies, um, who, when Zion gets back, will provide much more spacing, um, yeah. which I think definitely can't do harm. That's for sure. Um, but for me, I just have questions about their guard depth. Um, mm-hmm. I I want to see what Nikhil Alexander-Walker brings to the table, and I want to see if maybe they run some Ingram at point guard maybe with some ball handling minutes. I don't know. Um, they don't have a lot of distributors right now with without Lonzo Ball, with Lonzo Ball gone, so – I'm not too high right. on them. I don't know what to think about the Pelicans. I mean, 
they had a sort of a weird off season. They bring in Valanciunas, they bring in Devontae Graham, uh, and they get rid of um, Lonzo Ball, uh, Eric Bledsoe, Stephen Adams. They bring in a new coach who I don't really know a lot about, Willie Green. Um, I think you hit it right on the head. Look, Zion's going to be out for a while, so they're going to have to deal with that. Um, but I think the question is, <laughs> bless you, do they have a competent backcourt? Because right now, it's to me, it's just a bunch of guys. Um, you have Devontae Graham, Thomas Sadaransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Kira Lewis Jr., who I believe is a, a rookie or a second-year guy, Garrett Temple. I mean, it's just a bunch of guys who wouldn't really qualify to be starters on an actual contender. So what is your plan for the backcourt, and do you have enough depth and scoring and shot creation uh, on this team to be a, a good um, – to be a contender? Um Look, and the, I think the other question is, of course, we know about Zion's injury, but uh, the defense. Um, Willie Green is a guy who, um, when he was with Phoenix, uh, with Monty Williams, he, he had a key role in uh, helping the Suns go from 29th um, to, I believe, 6th uh, last year in defensive efficiency. Um, so he's had success. Uh, in his previous stops. Uh, but I think it's all about getting these players to buy into what he's going to sell. Uh, and that sounds cliche, but that's really what it comes down to, I think, uh, for the Pelicans. Um, so, look, the Pelicans are one of two teams, the Cleveland Cavaliers being the other, uh, that have ranked bottom 10 defensively uh, in each of the last three seasons. So that needs to change if they want the outcome of their seasons to change. Uh, so I don't know what to expect, especially with Zion out for however long he's going to be out. It could be tough sledding the first couple months of the season. Uh, but I do think they will be a fun watch. Um, for sure. I don't know how much success they're going to end up having, though. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too high on them in terms of success. Um, but I definitely, like you said, whenever they're on ESPN, whenever they're on TNT, I definitely will be tuning in, especially when Zion's healthy, because this is a team that's going to be getting up and down the floor. They got a, a lot of young guys, so they're going to be a fun watch for sure. Right. So moving right, on. Who's our, who's our Who's our next team? Is it San Antonio or is it Minnesota? Um, well, technically it'd be Minnesota, but um, let's do let's do the Spurs first. Let's talk about All your right. team. Let's do, yeah, let's you talk can start. about the Spurs. Yeah, go ahead so, and start us off. I think the main question for the Spurs is. Do they finally have a direction that they're going to ultimately push for and go in? Are they going? Because the past couple of years, it's been, you know, they've had enough to be competitive, but not necessarily enough to 
I guess, get the high lottery or be in the playoffs, but also not bad enough to get the high lottery draft pick that they ultimately need because we know in the NBA that you need stars. Stars win in the NBA. Coaching wins in the NFL and front office wins in baseball, but you need stars uh, in the NBA if you want to win, and that's something that Spurs are lacking. So I think, you know, they've been better than bad, but they also haven't been good enough to be in the playoffs. They didn't make the play-in last year, but ultimately lost. Uh, and it's left them in this weird place. So the veterans are out. You have a very young team. You have good players on this team. You have good pieces. But the question for me is, are any of these players going to turn into uh, the stars or the star that we think we need to ultimately get back to competing for playoffs in the Western Conference. Um, that's really something, you know, of opinion, I guess. Um, I think the most likely candidates to become that, um, you look at a guy like Keldon Johnson, he's a guy who's made strides. He played on the Olympic team. Uh, and usually when you see those young guys compete on the Olympic team, they come back with the vengeance uh, in the NBA. So I'm hoping he can fulfill his full potential. Now that DeRozan's out and Aldridge is out, he gets more um, touches and he can, you know, fulfill his potential because I think he has that potential within him. Uh, DeJounte Murray's really a veteran now. When you look at how long he's been in the league, I think this is his sixth year. Um, so, but it's a young team and I like a lot of the pieces. It's a bunch of good, young, good young players. Uh, I do like the fact that they did bring in some more shooting this year. They do need to change their philosophy. They've been bottom and, you know, they've been kind of, I guess, hesitant to follow the analytics. They've been lagging in that department. I think they, they improved um, in the three-point shooting department this offseason by bringing in a sharp shooter like Doug McDermott, who's already proved to make big, a big impact on this team uh, in the preseason. Um, uh, you bring back a guy like Bryn Forbes, uh, who's a sharpshooter from the outside off the bench. Um, I know I'm kind of rambling. It's my favorite team. Uh, I, I have heard reports that they've already started that internal search, an external search for candidates to possibly replace Pop uh, because rumblings within the organization is that this is going to be his final season as coach, as we all expected the season after he coaches the Olympics. This is going to be his final year, and they're obviously going to try to compete because that's what they've done year in and year out. Uh, but the question is, do they have enough to do that? Um, obviously, they, they've made strides defensively. I think they have um, some personnel that I like. Um, it's just how fast are these young players going to gel and do they have a star on this roster? But I do, th I'm, I am happy that they finally seem to have a, a, a direction. And um, that is let these young players roll, let them play and see what you have, uh, because that's what you have to do. And sometimes you have to take a step backward before you take two steps forward. And I ultimately think that could be the case with this first team.
I'm going to talk a lot more about this in particular and many more subjects uh, when my mini episode comes out tomorrow, sometime before their first game. Um, so, but basically what I'm saying, I'm happy with the direction they're going in. I think it's good that they're now um, actually one of the youngest teams in the, in, in the entire NBA. Um, uh, I do like some of the potential on this roster. Um, I like um, that they're going to seem to play a different style this year. Uh, now that this is a younger, more athletic team. Uh, with more three-point capability. Um, and I think it will ultimately end up being a team that's in the hunt for the 10 seed when it comes down the stretch in March and April. Um, last year, I believe they were the 10 seed, and I think they'll be right around there again. Um, so, but I'm interested to hear your perspective. You can hear all my other thoughts um, on my mini episode, which comes out tomorrow. Right. I, I think, like you said, that Doug McDermott signing was really solid. Um, and also bringing back Bryn Forbes really helps out your bench a lot. Um, uh, there wasn't a ton of scoring there, scoring punch there uh, with the departure of Rudy Gay. But uh, I feel pretty good about um, – having Lonnie Walker and Bryn Forbes running that bench unit. Um, and then in that starting lineup, I think one of the main things that a lot of people don't talk about is the Spurs are solid in terms of rim protection. Um, and that, that all falls on Jakob Turtle, who um, is the forgotten part of that uh, DeMar Rosen, Kawhi Leonard trade. He's been a solid starting center for them for a while now. Um, so I think they're, I think they have the potential to, um, get in that 10th seed, but, um, I, I don't see them, uh, getting anywhere higher in the standings in the play in. Um, I think that's their right. ceiling. I don't either. You have to view it realistically. Another thing I did want to mention is, um, I have heard really good things about this rookie from Alabama, Josh Primo. Um, he's a big athletic wing who offers size and shooting. Uh, he was, that's what he was known for at Alabama. I'm hoping he gets some playing time uh, because typically the way the Spurs do business is they draft these guys and they typically don't play for a year or two. They're either stashed away in Europe or they, they play um, – in the G League for a year or two before they ultimately come up uh, to play for the San Antonio squad. Um, but I think Josh Primo is a guy you could be seeing uh, get a lot of playing time uh, sooner rather than later because of his ball skills, his athleticism, and his shooting. Uh, and it's shown in the preseason. So it, it was a pick that wasn't very highly thought of by Spurs fans and and – I guess, NBA critics everywhere, but I think he's going to be a guy that could surprise some people. I'm just going to say that right now. Right. And um, I haven't heard a lot about uh, your first-round pick from a couple of years ago, Luka Samanich. How's he been for y'all? We actually released him. Oh. oh I know wow. it's crazy. I'm going to be talking about that on the mini-episode. 
Um, wow. Yeah. I don't stay think, tuned for that, guys. Um, yeah. I be, don't think we have time to get into that now, but right, yeah, right. that situation never, never, I guess, worked out. Right. So stay tuned for that, guys. Um, me and Michael, obviously, I started a Mav series last year. Didn't, didn't really uh, keep it going. Um, but me and Michael are looking to start our mini series this year, um, getting them back going. So stay tuned for that. That'll be, um, that'll be good if you're a Spurs or a Mavs fan. So uh, moving on to our next team, um, we got a team I mentioned earlier, um, and that's the Timberwolves, a team that, um, that has a lot of varying opinions on them this year. Um, they're a team that has – a lot of talent um, and they finished the year really strong when they were healthy. They were about 500 or just above 500 um, when they had Russell Towns and uh, Edwards healthy. So um, this team, if they can commit to playing solid defense, I feel pretty good about them being in contention for that 10th seat. I think they might be the front runner to get it um, depending on how the Grizzlies and the Kings do. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. They're, they're interesting. They're one of those like need to watch teams. I think, mm-hmm. um, I think they're in a pretty decent position. I think they'll have a halfway decent team. They could push for that play-in spot. Um, look, as you said, they played a whole lot better over the second half of last season uh, with Carl Anthony Towns in the lineup. Um, and you talk about a guy like Anthony Edwards, who really showed potential and made drastic strides in progress in his shot selection and overall offensive impact over the course of the second half of last year. Uh, but he, of course, has a lot of room to keep to keep growing. There was actually a, a, a feature um, published today in The Athletic um, about Anthony Edwards that I've been wanting to read, but I haven't gotten a chance to yet. So I'm going to do that. Uh, but, yeah, I've heard a lot of really good things about him. Uh, I think Carlton Towns, he had a rough sort of stretch with some personal issues and things of that nature. I think he's set to – prove uh, that he can be a top tier center once they get in this league. Uh, and they have, um, they have young talent. So, um, you know, between D'Angelo Russell, uh, uh, Edwards and some others, uh, I think they're going to be, I think they could be in like the 35 to 45 win range. Uh, I think they could be an explosive offense, and I won't be shocked if they land in the playoff, the playing tournament. Right. And um, obviously we're talking about the positive result for the season, but if it does go south, um, they do need to think about uh, D'Angelo Russell and uh, what he brings to the team. If it does go south, you might have to put him on the trading block um, and and that's a that's an interesting conversation to have because this team, um, they have a lot of really good talent. And they've had that talent for a couple of years now. It's just they haven't had the chance to play together. So this is finally the year where 
we're hoping that if they stay healthy, they can, they can be right there. Um, right. They didn't really add anybody new other than Patrick Beverly off that bench. Um, and obviously Beverly, he's a, um, he's a polarizing player. A lot of people like him. A lot of people hate him. But one thing that I will say is um, his energy that he brings to the game, his intensity that he brings to the game, um, it's, it's infectious. It's, um, it really uh, helps the te- his teammates um, get into it, especially on in the 82-game season. There's going to be nights where you just don't have that intensity, and Patrick Bradley is going to help them pick it up and uh, really, like, maybe help them win games. So um, I think it's going to be a positive there. Uh, and then Torian Prince, another solid veteran as well. Um, if he can get back to what he was in Atlanta, then then boom, you have a another solid three and D wing that you can look to off the bench. Um, and if not, then you just have a defense, a solid defensive player at worst who struggles with the three, which is okay. So um, I like where this team is at. I think they have solid depth um, and really good young pieces. So yeah, I, I think this team can be really solid. I do too. Okay, next. Who's next? Um, the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay, let's talk about the Grizzlies. So they ultimately snuck into the playoffs last season uh, by winning the playing tournament. They were the eighth seed. Um, and if you look at this team, what they did this offseason, the really main key addition was Stephen Adams. Um, they lost Grayson Allen and Jonas Valanciunas. Grayson Allen who started for the Bucks tonight, and uh, Valanciunas, who is now with New Orleans. Um, look, I think the X factor for Memphis really um, relies upon the health and the success of Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't think they – ended up reaching an agreement on a contract extension or did they? No, they did. They did. Um, I believe it was four years, $115 million, I believe. Okay. Well, we can have arguments about, you know, what he was worth or is he worth that or not. And it's sort of hard to know what he's worth. Uh, We know he has got the talent, uh, the necessary talent to be an impactful player for them, um, both on offense and defense. Uh, but, you know, he missed uh, six or he played only 16 games last year, including the playoffs uh, after missing eight and a half months with an injury. So I think really the key is how healthy is he going to be and is it going to be enough for them to make that next big leap? But you have John Morant. Uh, you have some talent on this roster that I do like. Um John Morant's an absolute star. Um, so I think they're going to be right around the same position they were um, a year ago. I don't think they made any major improvements, but at the same time, I don't think they necessarily got much worse than they were um, last year. But I'm interested to hear what you think. Um, 
Well, to me, I think they did get worse. Um, I, I think um, for most of last season, um, depending on what your opinion is on Dylan Brooks, I, believe, I think Jonas Valanciunas was their second best player. Um, and trading for Steven Adams, obviously Adams is, uh, is a solid defender, uh, but he's not going to bring that same offensive punch. Um, and he's also not going to bring the spacing as well. But um, um, and they also lost Grayson Allen, who was a uh, solid three-point shooter that they had in the starting lineup for much of last season. So I look at the shooting, the spacing. Um, I think it took a slight step back. But the thing that gives me confidence that they're going to be in the play again once again is the fact that this team is always well coached. They always play hard and they defend. Um, and you put that on top of what I think John Moran is going to do. I think he's going to be, um, I think he's going to take the next step into superstar and possibly a most improved player candidate. Um, I could see John Morant averaging 24, 25 a game, and then boom, you're right back in the play again. Right. I think what, what a lot of people are really counting on is, of course, the next steps for a lot of these young players. Uh, John Morant being the main one, a guy like Desmond Bain, uh, Xavier Tillman, uh, guys like this, I think, uh, are, are the keys. Um, right, right. You bring up a good point um, about Balanchunas. You lose some spacing, uh, not having Grayson Allen, not having Balanchunas. You lose some of the scoring punch. But I do think the combination of um, the coaching, the the young players, the buy-in that they seem to have uh, in this system, uh, it and John Morant, a star like that's going to keep you in it. Um, so I think they're still going to be right around where they were uh, last season. Um, but you could definitely make an argument that, I guess, on paper, they got a little worse because they did lose um, some of that scoring and, uh, I guess, spacing aspect to it. But yeah, that's uh, that's men. But I think that that uh, trade is actually going to be a win for them long term because that New Orleans pick that they got is going to be really good in my opinion. Because I don't, I'm not high on New Orleans, but um, let's move on. Uh, so the next team is the Golden State Warriors. Mm. Yeah. So uh, Golden State, what do you think? Oh, here, I'll, I'll start it off. Um, and I think Golden State is going to be – they're going to be right there in that dogfight in the top six in the West. I mean, you, you look at these top six teams, in my opinion, you got – uh, in no particular order. You have the Lakers, Nuggets, Mavs, Suns, Jazz. I think those are the teams in my mind that are the six um, that are just going to be in the dogfight uh, for the, that top space in the West. And then you could throw in the Blazers as well um, just because of Damian Lillard and his brilliance. Um, but it's all going to be uh, if Dame stays healthy. But we're going to talk about that later. Um, but 
those six teams, you can put them in any order you want. And I would be like, yeah, okay. I can see that because it's, it's extremely tight um, in terms of uh, where these teams are going to be at. It's just going to, it's going to be flip-flopping. Teams are going to be flip-flopping from even like two to six on a night to night basis. Um, That's how close I think it's going to be. So I'm not going to take a stab at predicting it. I just think um, I'm just going to say, I'm going to put it out there. The Warriors are going to be in the conversation for who's going to be in that uh, Western conference contention uh, to come out of the West. That's how highly I think of them. I really um, like some of the moves they made this offseason, especially through the draft. Although you look at guys like Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga, they're young, uh, and teams like that don't necessarily move the needle. Um, so they have good pieces going forward into the future. Uh, but look, once they get Clay Thompson back healthy, um, they're obviously going to be dangerous. Um, I do, as I said, like some of the moves they made through free agency, although they weren't household moves. Uh, I think they were nice moves. Adding a guy like Otto Porter Jr. Uh, I've heard really good things about Jordan Poole. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I think he's going to be a big piece off that bench. Uh, if he can be like that next great six man, uh, that could really spark some things here in uh, Golden State. Uh, I'm really interested interested to see what ultimately happens with James Weissman this year. Uh, he obviously was hurt last year and didn't play a whole lot. So that's an interesting factor. But look, when you have Steph Curry uh, and Clay Thompson coming back healthy, although he might not be the same defensive player he was before, because I don't know, you know, how much that injury is going to or how healthy he's going to be and how much that injury is going to compromise him uh, in his lateral movement. I don't know too much about that. I'm not going to add, like I do know a lot about that, but yeah, they're going to be up there uh, in the West. I'm not going to make any predictions, but um, I will say that I do like uh, the moves they made this off season. So yeah, and um, one thing that they were able to get, like you said, it's just the depth. Um, it's not – to me, it's not – there's no one player that they got. It's just the – all you put all yeah. of them together, and that really creates the overall impact to the team. They really lacked the um, the depth, especially in those, those closing stretch of the season. They went to an eight-man rotation a lot of times. And that's just simply not a good formula to make a deep playoff run. Um, so a uh, big thing for this right. team is uh, just finding a way to get good minutes from those bench players. And I think they're going to be able to do it. They've got solid players. Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned the depth and they certainly did that and they got good depth for cheap. Um, right. Exactly. Nemanja, I don't know how to – I can't say his Nemanja last name. Nemanja Yeah, him. 
they got him on a one-year minimum. They got Otto Porter, Otto Porter Jr. on a one-year minimum. They brought back Andre Iguodala on a one-year minimum. Uh, they signed Chris Chioza to a two-way contract. So they got a lot of these guys for cheap, whereas, you know, you look at guys like Kent Bazemore, guys that they lost, Kelly Oubre Jr. These guys went on to sign bigger deals. Um, so they definitely saved some money and added to their depth, which I certainly think helps, especially right. considering it's going to be a month or two, maybe more, until they get Clay, a full Clay Thompson back healthy. Um, so, yeah. Right. And um, I'm, I'm just going to say, just as a fan, like I'm just so excited to see Clay Thompson back. But – um, we're still a little bit away from that. We he's projected to come back right around New Year's. So, um, yeah, that that'll be good to see. Uh, anything else you want to add with the Warriors? Nope. Yeah. Um, I was just gonna say I was just gonna add something about what you said with Jonathan Kaminga. Um, one interesting thing is he was one of those guys that came out of the G League and. Um, out of like from the games that I've been seeing, obviously no regular season games yet, but um, from the preseason and from the summer league, those G League guys have shown to be very polished and um, and adjusted and well adjusted to the professional style of play. So, um, if Jonathan Kaminga is anything like what I've seen from Jalen Green, he should be able to be in that Warriors rotation, especially given that they really like to run small ball five. Um, so if they, they're able to give him good minutes at the, at the five, um, then he'll have a solid bit of minutes in his rookie year. Right. So moving on um, to – do you want to well, – let's talk about the Blazers first. Um, I, th okay, I think yeah. it feels weird to talk about the Lakers this early. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, okay, so Portland, um, they added Larry Nance Jr. in the offseason uh -huh. through a trade, I believe. Um, to me, that was the biggest move. I feel like that's a very underrated move. Um, because very quietly, Larry Nance Jr. has led the league in deflections over in Cleveland and has been a really solid defender as well. Um, he's a good lob threat. He's developed the three-point shot just a little bit. Um, and he, he's able to switch in the pick and roll, which is something that Portland has really lacked these last few years. Um, so defensive versatility and also um, forces a, a guy who forces a lot of turnovers, which for Portland, that's going to be big because, um, I mean, no matter how good your defense is, if you're never forcing turnovers and the other team is getting a shot up every single time, um, they're NBA players and a lot of times they're going to hit it. Um, so especially – given that their backcourt is uh, six foot three and six foot three, that's, that's their point guard and shooting guard. So um, call like drawing turnovers is going to be a big key for them 
if they want to be a solid defense. Um, uh, for me, I, yeah. I think uh, the overall outlook of the team, the overall expectations is, I mean, obviously you want to be in that, in that group of six, seven teams that I talked about earlier. Um, for me, I think they will be um, right around the plate that's seventh play-in spot. Um, but I mean, with Damian Lillard on the roster, I mean, they could get, they could easily get as high as four, three or four, if they're able to play solid defense. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to think. Yeah. Um, I ultimately think they should be one of the top seven teams in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty much the same as it always is with Portland, I think. Right. Having a guy like Damian Lillard, a top 10 player in the NBA, virtually guarantees you that you're going to be a top tier offense. I mean, he's just that good by himself. Uh, but of course, the lack of secondary stars and also impact defenders have certainly put a cap uh, on how far this team can go. Um, look, they're going to point to their net rating uh, with their best lineup on the floor last season. Uh, the Blazers were plus 13 points per 100 possessions with Powell and their other four projected starters on the floor last season. Uh, but, of course, um, they didn't have enough depth. They didn't have enough defense, enough wing defense to ultimately go where they wanted to go. And with uh, Nurkic missing time, uh, that certainly didn't help either. Uh, but, look, you mentioned it. They added um, uh, Larry Nance Jr. as part of that uh, Lowry marketing sign-in trade deal uh, that involved a couple teams. Uh, I, I just don't know if they have – I mean, what do you think about Chauncey Billups as a hire – as coach, what do you think he's going to do? Um, they they got rid of Cantor, uh, Rodney Hood, uh, Simons. Uh, that's kind of addition by subtraction defensively, and they got Larry Nance. So maybe there's some uh, improvement there to be made. Uh, but, look, you have Dame. He's a top ten player in the league you should be able to secure a top seven spot in the West. I don't really have anything else to say. Right. Yeah. I'm, I just question their, their direction. Um, I mean, we've said for years that this backcourt is extremely small and limited um, defensively. And then they go out and get Norman Powell, um, to run the three, who's six four. So, what what are you what are we doing here? Um, it's it's very confusing to me um, that move. I I still am not sure why they would trade. Um, shoot, what is his name? Oh man, uh, their second year player who was a solid three point shooter and scorer for them. Anthony Simon, or I don't know his first name. Simon's low is his last name. 
No, it wasn't Simons. Yeah. It was it was the guy that they traded to um, the Raptors midseason last year. They still have Simons. Oh. I don't know who you're talking about then. I don't. Gary Trent Jr. That's what it was. Uh, that's yeah. what it is. So yeah, I, I'm still confused about that move. I think that's going to hurt them. But moving on, um, this is where it gets fun. Um, you got the top six teams in the West. Um, let, let's let's talk about my Mavericks um, All right, first. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So my Mavs obviously brought in Jason Kidd to be the head coach. I, you know, I wasn't too. I wasn't too happy with it at first. I was kind of pissed off, to be honest. I, I didn't like his, I guess, his uh, past stints as head coach. I didn't think he was a very good head coach at that time. But, you know, he spent a couple of seasons with Frank Vogel. So I think he's, he's grown in that time, and I think he'll, he'll be better this time around. I feel a lot better about it now that I've seen the product on the floor over the course of this preseason. Um, one, like the main thing that Jason Kidd has been preaching is basically he's going to give Porzingis a few bones early in the game, let him work in the post, even though it's not a, it's not efficient offense, so to speak. It's not what the numbers like. Um, it's, it is going to keep Porzingis engaged in the game and, um, keep him engaged on defense and keep him happy, um, which is extremely important. If we keep his morale high and his confidence high, he's going to play better. That's the bottom line. And we need the best Porzingis we, we can. We, we need the best Porzingis we can get. And um, over the course of those preseason games, that's who we got. So if we can get the best Porzingis possible, um, there's no reason in my mind why we can't be the two, three, or four seed in the West. So um, it's all about just that Doncic and Porzingis duo. If we can get Porzingis to score about 22 on efficient shooting, then that's all we need because we have a solid bench unit. And I like the guys we brought in. We brought in Reggie Bullock um, and uh, – Obviously, we still have Jalen Brunson, and we have some 3 and D guys now. We have some depth at that three spot that we didn't have before with Sterling Brown and Eugene uh, uh, Ojemudier, I believe. That's what his last name is, but um, who's an undrafted free agent um, that we – that who made the team. He played his way onto the team. Um, so – Overall, I, I feel really good about the team. Obviously, I, I rambled a little bit. It's my favorite team, guys. I'm a little bit nerdy, but um, bear with me. Oh, don't worry about it. I rambled about the Spurs. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, just an update real fast. I just found out that, and this is totally unrelated, but the Houston Astros tied the series tonight, the ALCS. At 2-2, they beat the Red Sox at Fenway 9-2 after getting destroyed 
last night, uh, 12 to three by Boston. And of course, I'm a Yankees fan. So the only thing I'm doing the rest of this baseball season is rooting against the Red Sox. That's what you do as a Yankees fan. You go, you root for the Yankees, and you always root against the Red Sox, no matter who they're playing. So that's good news. Um, but in terms of the back to basketball, in terms of the Mavericks, um, look, they've shown to be potent in years past. They've shown how dangerous they can be. Ultimately, you can make an argument that last year's Mavs Clippers series was the best series of the entire playoffs, just in terms of the overall caliber of play. Um, I think Reggie Bullock was a really good addition. Um, he adds some shooting to the mix that they really desperately needed, something that Josh Richardson just didn't provide um, when with in his stint with Dallas. Um, look, Luca probably will take another step. He's just that fantastic. Uh, he might, he's, he's my, he's definitely my favorite player um, outside of San Antonio for sure. Um, I think the problems here are of course, Porzingis, a guy who's only played 100 games over the last three seasons. And you look at, you know, the history of guys, his size who deal with lower body injuries and it's really not pretty. So is there reason for me to believe that he's going to be able to play closer to a full season? I think if he plays, you know, a 65, 70 game season, that just, that takes Dallas to, you know, that, that improves their chances in and of itself, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, so it's obviously his health and his effective effectiveness on the floor. Um, you could, I, I don't know what you think about, you know, load managing him uh, this year to make sure he makes it to May healthy, so he's ready for the playoffs. And the other issue is, of course, Jason Kidd, as you said, um, replacing Rick Carlisle, who by many executives around the league was considered to be uh, one of the league's best uh, X and O schemers, I guess you could say. Uh, and Kidd's head coaching history isn't necessarily the greatest Um his overly aggressive defensive strategy in Milwaukee did significant harm. That didn't work out. Uh, and his history is that he typically uh, burns the house down wherever he goes eventually. But I'm hoping and I'm praying that the, that that does not happen with Dallas, and I don't think it will. Year one actually hasn't proven to be that much of a problem with Jason Kidd and his head coaching past has past head coaching tenures. Uh, apologize, I can't speak. But look, bigger picture, you have Luca. Um, that virtually assures you a playoff spot alone. And assuming uh, Porzingis can play uh, at least over half of Dallas's games, um, and you know, hopefully more than that, um, with the shooting and the um, maturing and all this stuff of the, the maturation process with these younger players, uh, y'all are going to be hopefully top four in the West. Hopefully. If yeah. not at the worst, I think fifth in the West. Right. That's what Which I'm hoping for. Were. And Luca for MVP, by the way, 100%. Hopefully. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's move on. Um, and my next... second favorite player on the Mavs is 
my second favorite player in the match is Boban Marjanovic. Just putting that out there. Yep, former Spur. Yeah, yeah, I, I love the guy. Absolutely yeah, love the guy. He's, but moving he's on, players. But yeah, um, our next team. Shoot, who is our next team? Um, could it be? Could it be Denver or the Clippers? It's it's Denver. Yeah. Um. So okay, Denver. Denver was fourth in the West last year. Wait, no, 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 no. Denver was third, and then the Clippers were fourth. But let's let's just do Denver first, since I've already, uh, all right, prefaced yeah. it. Um. So yeah, Denver was third in the West last year. Obviously, Jokic was the MVP. Um, every major stat backs. Jokic being MVP, he was fantastic last year. Um, and then, obviously, Jamal Murray went down with that ACL injury, which was extremely unfortunate. But without that, um, it seems to be a common opinion that the Nuggets were right there. Um, if if Jamal Murray was healthy, then the Nuggets would have been right there in terms of uh, being contenders to make it out of the West. Um, so, and, and I agree with that. I, I think Jamal Murray would have made a huge difference, but looking at the outlook for this season without him, um, it's got to fall on Michael Porter Jr. Um, and it's got to fall on their defense to be better because, um, it's obvious. It's a, there's a gaping hole in that in that backcourt right now. Um, it's not going to be easy, but I think if their defense can just be average, just like tenth to fifteenth in the league, somewhere in there, then Jokic's presence alone can make this offense elite, just based on how good of a passer and how good he is running the offense as at the center position. Jokic MVP. He's fantastic. All the stats back that up. As you said, there's no better, I guess, offensive hub than Jokic. You can make the argument. He was the league's best passer. He was a 26 point per game scorer whose true shooting percentage, 64.7% ranked fourth among 48 players with a usage rate of 25% or higher last season. So he's great as long as he stays healthy, of course. Uh, Denver will be a threat. Missing Murray is a problem. Uh, He's obviously uh, great and would make them an obvious, like, real contender to come out of the West this season. Uh, But he's not healthy. So the onus is going to fall on 23-year-old, Michael Porter Jr., um, who last season, look, he's a special player. He's shown his talent on the offensive end of the floor. Um, He shot 46.5% on catch-and-shoot threes, which ranked fourth among 86 players who attempted at least 200 last season. So he's obviously a threat from deep. He had an effective field goal percentage of 52.4% on pull-up jumpers, which ranked 17th among 112 players who attempted at least 150 shots of such category. And he maintained a good efficiency. 
Um, but my question is, can he do that? Can he maintain that efficiency at obviously a higher volume? Because he'll be doing more with the absence of Jamal Murray. And can he play in the pick and roll? Um, that's something that Jamal Murray obviously excels at. The stats back that up. But they're going to need him to provide that for them. So I think it's Jamal Murray. Obviously, you mentioned the defense. That matters as well. But I do think this is a top six team in the West either way. Um, it's just a matter of, I guess, the defense, Michael Porter Jr., and obviously, I guess, uh, how they stack up against these other top teams. Uh, so I, I, I like Denver. I'll continue to like Denver um, just because I love watching Jokic. And yeah. I think they're really talented. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be tough to get out of the West without without Jamal Murray. That's just the thing I'll say. Right. And but I, we know, I always watch – oh, Go ahead. Sorry. We know uh, Mike Malone is a really good coach. So, right. um, Michael Malone, apparently. Michael Malone, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all of a sudden he just changed it on us and he got all pissed. I was like, what the heck? But anyway, um, uh, that's it for the Nuggets. Um, so moving along here um, in the closing stretch a little bit, um, the Clippers. Mm, uh, the Clippers. Yeah. So the Clippers, for the first mm. time in their history, made it to the Western Conference Finals all for Kawhi Leonard to get hurt. Uh, Terra's mm-hmm. ACL. Um, another, another iteration of the Clipper curse. Um, yep. But they come back this season. They're going to have Paul George leading the charge. Um, they brought back Nicholas Batum, Reggie Jackson, the main culprits of the team. Um, but the big key for them is just going to be who's going to be the second guy to step up. I think this, I think this team has the scoring. They have this uh, enough solid players to fill the gaps, but um, it's going to be a, it's going to have to be every single player raising their scoring average a little bit rather than one guy raising his shot attempts by 10 or something like that. It's got to be a team effort rather than one guy, because if, Reggie Jackson tries to go out there and play hero, then his shooting percentages are going to be terrible. So um, I look for a guy like Terrence Mann to take up next step this year. I look for um, uh, possibly Luke Kennard to be solid off the bench. He's a really good shooter for them. Um, and then obviously Marcus Morris, a guy that I, I hate. I absolutely hate his guts um, because I'm a Mavericks fan, but you know he's been a solid scorer throughout his career. He had a he had a year in New York where he averaged twenty points per game. So um, I could easily see him averaging fourteen or fifteen points for this team. Yeah, the Clippers are a team that I think the national media is kind of writing off because they don't have and they won't have Kawhi Leonard until maybe the very end of the season, I think is when he could possibly come back. Um, look, 
the question for me is, can they keep Paul George from getting overloaded? Um, George, he's the only player who shot 40% or better on at least 200 catch-and-shoot three-point attempts in each of the last five seasons. Um, and we know that he's his minutes have been managed because he's been playing alongside guys like Russell Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard, who have also been able to shoulder some of the offensive load and shot creation for him. But now without Leonard, you don't have that necessarily – co-star beside you you're going to be shouldering a lot of the offensive loan you are the star of the show um last season he averaged career highs and assists per game and assist ratio uh and i think he'll continue to improve in that area he'll continue to create for others on this roster but i think to keep his efficiency up which he has been pretty efficient these past couple of years. Um, His true shooting percentage last season was a career high at almost 60%. Um, And to keep his legs fresh, others are going to need to step up and create for themselves. He cannot do it all. He's just not that kind of player. Um, So I think Eric Bledsoe, uh, he, I guess, provides a little bit more off the dribble than a guy like Patrick Beverly. Um, And you look at guys like Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann. These are two players coming off really good showings in last year's postseason, but they're obviously going to need that to continue and to probably get better uh, this season if they ultimately want to compete uh, and be in contention. Uh, I think they're going to need big seasons from those guys. They're going to need Luke Kennard um, to be a guy – uh, as well um, in that rotation. Um, but look, it's, I think it's all about finding ways to surround Paul George and take the, some of the onus off of him offensively because he's also asked to guard the opposing team's best player and it, it just becomes too much. Um, so can they be a playoff team? Sure, I do think they can be. Um, I still think they're a good team, but they're not a great team. No more without Kawhi. Um, And we can go into – we're going to be doing a lot of NBA coverage, I assume, uh, once we get into the crevices of the season. Um, So we'll we'll talk a lot more about the Clippers. They're going to be a team that we're obviously keeping a close eye on, how they're performing with – without Kawhi. so I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see it. Um, I still think they're a playoff team, but they're not. They're no longer a championship contender, obviously. Right. right. I agree. Um, I I see this team as more of a play-in type of team, um, but I think if they if they really buckle down defensively, then maybe they could be the sixth seed. Maybe but that's, that's a stretch with how good the West is. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, st- I still feel solid about the Clippers overall. It could be a lot worse given that they lost their best player. Can we break some news real fast? Or not, yeah, go it's ahead. not really news. It's not really like breaking news, I guess. But 
the Warriors actually beat the Lakers tonight. Uh, 121 to 114. Yeah, I, I figured I didn't watch. Happen. I didn't watch any of the game. Russell Westbrook finished with eight points, uh, four assists, and five rebounds in his Lakers debut on 35 minutes. Well, LeBron James and Anthony Davis finished with 34 and 33, respectively. And then the Warriors, you had Steph with 21, Jordan Poole with 20, and then a bunch of other guys with like 15 and 12. So right. just an interesting uh, interesting, interesting yeah. thing to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah, and let, let's talk about those Lakers. Um, okay. They they were the talk of the offseason. They made the biggest moves of the offseason by far. They flipped around their entire roster. Um, they went out and got Russell Westbrook, um, who say what you want about him. He's going to help you stay afloat in the regular season if a guy like Anthony Davis or LeBron goes down. Um, so I think that will be a positive in the regular season. We'll see how that goes in the playoffs. Um, but and they also brought in Carl Carmel Anthony and Malik Monk, um, as well as Kendrick Nunn as well. Um, so this team brought in solid depth, but I'm thinking about the age of this team and also I am too. how obviously they will obviously they'll be motivated. Motivated is not the right not the right word, but how how much energy they're going to have throughout the regular season, because obviously they're, they're obviously they're going to want to turn it on around uh, March, April, um, that range. But until then, what's it going to be like? Um, I don't, I don't know how good this team is going to be defensively. Um, that's another thing. They seem really stubborn about keeping Anthony Davis playing the four, which I don't understand um that seems to be um an anthony davis preference thing not a lakers thing but still um he's he's best used as a center in today's nba clearly um but just defensively what's it going to look like and also offensively what what's the chemistry going to be um i i think like a lot of LeBron James teams have done in the past, they're going to start slow. Um, you look at how every single one of his new teams have done. Um, every time, every time one of his rosters has made uh, massive changes, they've always started slow. You look at uh, you look at 2010 with the Heat. You look at 2015 with the Cavs. I mean, every single time, um, or even even 2018 with no no 2019 with the Lakers, his first year in LA. Um, every single time, um, they've made massive changes on a LeBron-led team. They've started slow, and it, it's it's hard to play with LeBron. Um, they they take some times to get adjusted to, um, and I expect that to be case the case again this year. But once they get their stride, um, I think they'll be top three in the West. Yeah, I think they'll be top three in the West. Um, but I ultimately have the same questions you do. 
Um, the turnover, uh, you spoke to it right there. Um, only four players from last season's Lakers remain on this team. 28% of last year's regular season minutes remain on this roster. Every other team in the NBA is returning at least seven players or at least 43% of last year's minutes. The Lakers are returning only 28% of that. And, of course, a lot of that is LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And anytime you have those two guys, plus Russell Westbrook, who can't actually make you like any worse just based off what he gives you every night effort-wise and what I think he's going to be able to do uh, with this team, I, I do have my questions about that. And then obviously the age. They added Westbrook, um, but they, you know, they brought in a couple young guys, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, but they basically brought in every veteran that they, they, that, that, that they could think of, 35 years and older. And I read in a Ringer article earlier this week um, that if you take into account everybody on this roster and you average the ages, uh, this team is about average age, 31.9 years of age, which would be the sixth oldest team in NBA history. Um, So... It's all about health. It's all about how how these uh, older veterans fit in, and then obviously, um, what do what do we get with Russell Westbrook, um, and how does he fit in um, to this equation? So I think they'll definitely be like you get Westbrook that third star. Anytime a Davis or James goes down, one of the two, they can obviously. Uh, be better suited to stay afloat, as you said. But there's a there are some questions here. Um, I would not write them in to be a top the top team in the West. Obviously, they could be if everything goes as planned. But I do think they'll still be top three. Um, right. Right. Um, yeah. I. I don't know. I just have this weird scenario in my head, like Western Conference Finals, there's two minutes left, they're down by four, and then Russell Westbrook runs down the court and takes a (laughs) mid-range shot from the elbow with 20 seconds left on the shot clock, and LeBron's just sitting there like like, you know, the memes. Uh, The memes are going to be insane. Um, That scenario in my head, like I just can't get it out of my head, like Russell Westbrook is going to have to make large adjustments to his game um, for this to work. And I don't know if he'll do it. I mean, we, we said the same thing in Houston and what ended up happening was he didn't change. Houston changed to fit for him. And the Lakers are not going to do that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I, I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not too high on the Westbrook thing. I think the best thing they can do with Westbrook, the, the, best, um, re- the best thing Westbrook can give you is um, wins on the nights where LeBron and Anthony Davis need the rest. 
That's the biggest thing. Right. Load management. I agree. Um, I think we're coming down to the wire here with our last two teams. Right. Um, the Utah Jazz, and then we'll talk about the Suns, who are obviously the reigning Western Conference champions. But let's talk about Utah first. Um, so I guess I can start this off. Um, look, the Jazz, um, really good. Um, ultimately, I guess you could call them an elite regular season team. Um they, we all know about the three-point shooting last season. We all know they have the perimeter depth to put to, to put together some fun and effective small ball lineups that that can shoot. We know the develop the continued development of uh, Donovan Mitchell and some of the other guys that they have. They have the staple and Rudy Gobert as a defensive uh, reigning defensive player of the year. Uh, staple in the system. Uh, but my question for the Jazz is, it's ultimately come down to the past couple of years, not necessary adjustments in the playoffs um, uh, and not being versatile enough, especially in, in the front court. Um, they did go out and they added Rudy Gay, um, who played – 121 minutes of small ball five with the Spurs uh, last season. And in those minutes, the Spurs outscored their opponents by seven points per 100 possessions while only allowing 103 per 100, 103 points per 100 possessions. They also added Eric Paschal, who you can find in a very similar light to Gay, was pretty effective when he was out there. The defense and obviously more versatile offensively, I guess, both those guys. Um, so my question for the Jazz is, are they versatile enough in that uh, front court to, I guess, contend with some of the small ball lineups they might, they have to compete with uh, in the playoffs? And do are they equipped to make the necessary adjustments? Because I know they have the talent to ultimately contend, but what do you think? Um, well, I do think the Rudy Gay signing is going to be solid. Um, he's, he adds scoring off the bench, um, and he's an underrated defender in this later stages of, of his career. He's been solid on the defensive end of the floor for sure. Um, but I think obviously going into the offseason, a lot was made about Rudy Gobert and his – and uh, his lack of effectiveness in that Clipper series. But to me, um, whoa, what, what is that? What? Sorry. What did? Okay, sorry about that. I don't know what that was. Um, but anyway. What, why is that? I'm going to close that out. Sorry. Um, okay. I don't know where that came from. That threw me off completely. But um, getting back to what I was saying, a lot was made about Rudy Gobert and his effectiveness, uh, his lack of effectiveness in that L.A. Clippers series. But to me, a lot of that was um, the wing positions 
um, causing defensive breakdowns. Um, a lot of times you saw their, the wing defenders jumping at closeouts, doing different things of that nature. Um, and what is happening? My, okay, I'm going to have to unplug these headphones. Oh, my goodness. Because for some reason, my computer is, like, bugging out. I don't know what's happening. But, uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to let you talk. I, I got thrown off there so many times. Could you freaking shut up, Siri? Jesus. Why can't I hear you? Exactly, and I think they'll be second or third seed in the West. Uh, they'll be top three for sure. All right, so moving on to the very last team of this podcast, the defending Western Conference champs, the Phoenix Suns, um, who recently have been in the news um, because they – Turned down signing former number one overall pick, big man DeAndre Aiden, um, to the max extension that he was asking for. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that turns out. But this team has the continuity. They brought everybody back. And to me, there's value in that. Um, I think this team has the potential to be top in the West, um, if not somewhere in that top three. Uh, they're fantastic defensively. And Devin Booker and Chris Paul, in terms of closing games, um, they're as good as it gets. Um, so 
I, I still feel really good about this Suns team. I really like Mikel Bridges as a uh, as a solid defender who you can throw on the opposing team's best player from basically the one to the four positions. Um, so I, I I just like the versatility that they have, and, and the big thing is can Aiton prove himself and have the production of that max contract that he's asking for. Um, because if he can give them that, then that would take them to a different level. Yeah. Yeah, but still impressive.
opinion that series against the Clippers looks a lot different if they had those first two games on the road in LA um, especially with Kawhi healthy in those games as well so um, home court advantage is huge and if they can grab that one seat that would make a massive difference Candace Parker, he left the Sparks to go to the sky and then year one wins the championship. So, um, really cool stuff to see there. And also, um, I watched the game uh, in the Western Conference Finals. I believe it was the, the, the Phoenix team. I forget their mascot. <laughs> the Phoenix Rise or something like that. Uh, it was what yeah, yeah. Um, and then it was against the Vegas Aces. That game was a certified classic. That was insane. Um, like Diana Tarasi went off in that fourth quarter. They were down by like eight, or they were down by like twelve going into the fourth quarter, and then she went off. Um, and then Brittany Griner had like a block to close the game. That was insane. The good teams, the other good teams in the league, they actually had 
I think a better winning percentage against the teams with a winning record. Um, I think it's just like right around when the NBA playoffs wrap up. They did against teams that didn't have a winning record, which is pretty crazy. Um, so, uh, well, they were about even, actually, but right because they played more teams with, I guess, had more games against. Yep. Yeah, make sure to share it with your friends as well. Um, that's what help. That's what's going to help us grow. Sharing it with your friends, telling your friends about us, um, and and keep giving us suggestions about uh, topics and how we can improve as well. Um, always, uh, we're always happy to see y'all's input. Um, and also, um, thanks for all the support last episode. I believe we had like. 12 or 13 views last episode within three or four days of release. So that was pretty good. So uh, thank all y'all for that. Um, and peace out, guys. So I expected. Yeah. I expect them to be really good again. My only real question is, I guess, the, I feel like they could still be missing a piece, especially on the, in the front court. Um, apparently, I'm learning this. Darius Sarge is possibly out for the season. Is that true? Um, that's what NBA.com says. But they did bring in JaVale McGee. Um, and I think he can help with some of the rim protection. He did have the second best rim protection mark um, among 247 players who defended at least 100 total shots at the rim last season. And I think he's a better lob threat. Dario Sarge or Frank Kaminsky. So I think he can help, but I still think they could be missing another piece uh, uh, to really take them to that next level of actually winning maybe a championship. But as we know, it's really hard to get back uh, to the finals, uh, back to 
seasons, so... But, in terms of the regular season, which is, I guess, what we're talking about, uh, when we're previewing the season, is they're going to be right there, top one or two seed in the last. Yes, massive difference. Um, so that is going to wrap it up, I think, for our Western Conference preview. Um, a couple housekeeping things I think we should address. Number one is I'm going to, of course, be uh, releasing my Spurs mini-podcast that will start tomorrow at some point. Keep an eye out for that. Um, and I think Emmy is planning on doing a Mavs miniseries, um, but keep an eye out for those two things. We'll obviously have our NFL episode uh, later this week, uh, this weekend actually. Hopefully that's in person, um, and we'll continue to cover the NFL, um, and then not much else. Uh, we might sneak a World Series preview in uh, sometime next week if we can, but if not, We'll obviously be extending our coverage of the off-season uh, with baseball more than we have in the past. And then I also wanted to congratulate Candace Parker in the Chicago Sky on winning the WNBA championship uh, a couple of days ago on Sunday. We obviously now to cover the WNBA. 
of this past season, but it just didn't work out. So hopefully next season we'll be able to actually uh, do that because um, it's a it's a growing it's a growing league for sure. I didn't watch it, but um, I heard all about it, um, so hopefully we'll um, embark on covering that when the seasons, the next season starts. I don't know that point. I don't think it's for until like next. Do you know when the season starts for WNBA? Like May or something. Yeah. So it's always gonna be a while, but. We'll get to that, but for now it's football season, and we're obviously right into the start of basketball season here with baseball wrapping up, and obviously um, you, everyone. 
podcast for any sort of time now knows that um, I get really excited for college basketball a lot more excited than Emmy does, but uh, we'll obviously be doing that here soon, sooner rather than later, as the season kicks off in three weeks. Um, so keep an eye out for that as well. But thanks for listening. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe. And we'll see you on our next episode. Peace.